Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I am here with a good friend of mine, recurring guest, Ted DeBedencourt, co-founder of Juvo Leads. Ted, how's it going? Awesome, Jan. Thanks for having me on today. Again, I appreciate it. Yeah. I guess it's been a little while since we had, I mean, honestly, it's been a long while since our last one. You might've been on two or three years ago. I think it was a few years back. Yeah. It was when uh, we were still a little bit of a smaller company and uh, just kind of getting our feet wet out there. Yeah. Well, it's good always to see the time series too. Like, I mean, it's kind of one of the interesting things too. I was talking with um, Moshe Amsel on his podcast the other day too. We've got a really good win streak as far as getting uh, great people, catching rising stars in this podcast too. So it's always happy to have the returning guests. But specifically as to what's been going on for you guys recently, I wanted to talk about the report that you guys got together. So I will not do the justice with the introduction, but um, could uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and get started about uh, the, the report that you guys get together. Sure. So we're kind of in a funny position in the sense that we have data that a lot of that really no one else has except other marketing agencies, and that's only of their clients. So basically, what we do is is we track every chat, call, form, and SMS that comes into a law firm across a whole bevy of law firms across the country and across a lot of different market agencies that we work with. So with that data, we said, all right, well, we kind of have data here that no one else has. Why don't we do something with it? So basically, we wanted to put together a benchmark report so law firms can see exactly how many leads they should be getting. So really, we sliced and diced our data a million different ways. And the kind of main ways we broke it down is we wanted to look at all the data in 2021 and say, if you're a personal injury firm, if you're a bankruptcy firm, if you're a criminal law firm, if you're a family law firm, how many leads should you be getting from paid traffic and non-paid traffic? And non-paid is, is everything from organic traffic to referral traffic to direct traffic and orga- yeah, organic being Google ads, wherever it comes from. So we really thought that the two most important things were the if you're spending a lot of money in Google Ads, how many leads are you getting? How many should you be getting? How many are your competitors getting? And how many are your peers getting? So we wanted to break it out. So we did that with our uh, 2021 legal lead benchmark report here. Okay, that's awesome. And I want to actually take a step out because I did not do the best job of introducing how you guys got this data. So for anyone who's not familiar, uh, Juvo Leads is my favorite chat company and phone. And I guess, uh, how would you guys describe yourselves? We're a lead capture and tracking platform specifically for marketing agencies. There we go. So um, basically, we've been partnered with Juva for a super long time. We run all of our Google Ads budget through that. I guess it's something that hasn't come up on the podcast a lot recently, but we're working with literally at any given time, um, you know, 100 plus firms on, on, on these campaigns. But um, why this is super exciting to me um, and why it should be super exciting to you, <laughs> if you like the way I think of your listener, is because, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like one of my favorite reports that I get to see every year is the Clio, uh, Clio Trends report. That's obviously a good uh, one, but too, but like a lot of the things too, when I think about the data that comes in for marketing stuff, uh, I remember the Clio response, lead response report was one of my favorite pieces of data I ever saw. That was a survey. That was from the outside looking in. What we have here is literally the proverbial fly on the wall of thousands maybe tens of thousands. I don't know what the scale of this thing is, Ted, 
but um, people that are actively spending a ton of money on campaigns. And again, our, our clients are some of those, but there's a lot more people than us that are using the platform. So just as far as, I don't know if there's any like, uh, like, you know, big, like marquee numbers, but like in terms of the interactions that went into the report, if there's like a, do you have anything off the bat as far as the uh, like total number of conversations that went into this? By conversations, the big number we track is leads. Right. So it's not just chat leads. It's, it's every total leads we're capturing. So we're talking over tens of thousands of leads that we're tracking and distributing to a source. So this is a fairly broad set of data for a lot of, uh, for the legal world. Okay. Awesome. And then, um, the other thing too, is that like, I think it's a really interesting time to discuss this. And this is something that we'd spoken about a little bit on the pre-call. I think the world's changed a little bit. And I think that's probably not a super unique opinion, but what do things really look like on the other side of 2020, right? That crazy year we all had. And it's cool because this is all data that you guys collected from 2021, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we ideally wanted to do this in early 2020 and then, you know, COVID hit and like everyone else we were saying, okay, what's going to happen with the world? And we didn't want to pull the 2020 data just because we didn't think it'd be a fair representation or, or say, if we held it, we use this to hold out to lawyers. Here's how many leads you should be getting. How does this stack up with what you're currently doing? It doesn't really affect us all that much, but sometimes it really puts the feet to the fire to the marketing agency they're working with. Or if they're not using chat, that's kind of the leverage we have there. Well, you know, you're not getting that many. Here's why. Here's what some people are getting. Here's what our other law firms are getting. But if we did that in 2020, we were just afraid it wasn't going to be representational of what a firm would do not during COVID. So we really wanted to hold off on, until to do this until 2021. And we're hoping to keep doing it you know, ongoing every year just to see how things are turning that way. One thing I can say is from our 2020 data, things are going up. So you know, across the board and, and in all metrics we saw, we did see a little bit of a dip in May a little bit. Uh, and we were kind of nervous about that, but June's been blowing that out of the water. So we're pretty excited. Okay. Yeah. That's really interesting too. Cause it's like, I was kind of thinking on some level, it was like, uh, I feel like there's going to be a lot of long vacations this summer. <laughs> a lot of people owe that to themselves, but, um, okay. That's really interesting. And like, just kind of as a starter, like, um, I know this could be a pretty broad, broad question, but like, you know, what were some of the most surprising things you guys found when you sat down and crunched the data? Great question. Far and away, the biggest surprise was the conversion rate variance by practice area. And by that, I mean, if you're using in paid ads specifically, so if you're running the highest percentage of conversions are coming from bankruptcy. So if you're running a bankruptcy law firm, let me pull up the data here specifically. If you're an average site, you're pulling somewhere in between 20, 25% of leads are converting. And that's ridiculously high. And that kind of made us scratch our noggin a little bit. And then you compare that to a PI firm and that number is significantly lower. So if you're middle of the pack into the PI firm, you're pulling much lower. You're pulling about six and a half percent. So 22 and a half percent for bankruptcy law firms on average versus six and a half. And that's a conversion rate. So that means if you're running a paid campaign in PI and you get a hundred visitors to your site, that means about six and a half on average will convert into leads. Whereas if you're running a paid bankruptcy campaign, Generally, Google ads, Bing ads, 22, 23% or you know, 23 out of 100 will convert into a lead. So that, that's a huge variance for us. 
Yeah, that's fascinating. And like, you're actually kind of reminding me of another thing. This is like one of those things. I, I had this on my sales deck for probably five years, but I don't know if you recognize this one. There's this old word stream report where they were trying mm -hmm. to do the uh, like, but the thing is that it didn't go more granular than legal, yeah. which was kind of the tough thing too. And it's like, you know, it's, it's kind of funny a lot of the times. And this is something that we usually will talk to people about in the course of, you know, evaluating whether it makes sense to work together or not. But um, not a lot of people have access to this for themselves even. So, um, I mean, what else? So we got kind of the high and low with bankruptcy. How did uh, criminal and family end up rounding out that? The criminal family were fairly similar to each other and not too much difference. Family was a little bit higher than we thought it would be, especially in the paid search. So mm -hmm. about how we, and bear in mind, so we work with a lot of agencies. So if you pull numbers off of a random family law site, off of a random PI, bankruptcy, criminal site, and the internet, if they don't have a good agency or they try to do it themselves, they're probably going to be lower. So we work with a really, a lot of really good agencies that do pretty incredible stuff from a conversion perspective. So our numbers are probably going to be higher than what some people might see or what some firms are used to. So there's a caveat there. In terms of family law versus criminal law, we break down all the data into three buckets. So there's the good, that's the top 33rd percentile, the middle 33rd percentile, and the bottom 33rd percentile. So the middle 33rd percentile in family law paid search is about 10%. So if you get 100 paid clicks to a family law site, 10 of them should convert into leads on average. And then for criminal, it's fairly similar. It's about the same. It's about 11%. And that, that's the middle of the pack. If you're really good at criminal law running paid search, you're converting about 17, 18% of your clicks into leads. So there is some variance there. Whereas with family law, the variance isn't so much. The really good ones are converting about 6%. The middle of the pack is converting about 6%. The really good ones are only converting about 7 8%. So it's a little bit harder to convert a lead into a uh, from family law than it is crim. Yeah, it's kind of interesting too. Like there's something that has been coming up a lot recently because I've been thinking about a lot of this stuff in, in kind of connection to the estate planning things. So it's like the length at which people take to make a decision. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I think bankruptcy has one of those situations where like, you know, that's kind of the throwing in the towel moment for the person typing in bankruptcy attorney Brooklyn or whatever happens to be. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think those people are probably a little bit more, but if you kind of think about it too, the people who are clicking on a, you know, divorce attorney site, maybe it's like, you know, the first time, uh, you know, their spouse at a up raising their voice at them and it could be kind of like a harder situation to convert. One of the things I find kind of surprising is the personal injury stuff being as low as it is. Like, but I also kind of think too, as far as the situation, we've definitely seen this at some times. And like, there are a couple months, I mean, speaking directly to COVID, we had some campaigns that were super weird. And I think it was yeah. people who are like, you know, bent over a barrel financially, yeah. trying to like you know, scare up some cash and thinking about what businesses did I stub my toe on the last couple of months, right? <laughs> oh, I should pursue that car accident, but um, that's super interesting. Well, on the flip side with COVID, coming out of COVID, you know, if people are driving less to work, what was down for us, not only on, on the PI, especially the motor vehicle accident stuff, is the crim firms that were DUI focused. Right. And if you're driving less on the road or working from home, you're less inclined to get a DUI and less inclined to get in a car accident. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not great for those industries, probably, you know, safer roadways, but, but in those industries, they definitely took a hit. This is kind of a funny one too. We ended up having a situation where we onboarded a DWI firm in, uh, I think it was probably February or March of last year. And we were really concerned about that because we thought people weren't driving, but um, these guys were in Houston. I'll tell you this, people were still drinking. <laughs> 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 so uh, yeah. kind of interesting. Okay, cool. 
Now, kind of as far as I want to also kind of highlight this for people who are a little bit less familiar with how your guys' platform works. So Mm -hmm. one of the things I really like about Juvo is that it's able to get everything in one dashboard too. And like, if you think about it, if you have a situation where you have one call tracking software, you have a chat software or someone else, and you have finally something else that's happening with emails, it's kind of hard to be able to pull these absolute numbers just because, you know, it just takes a lot of deduplication. It's hard enough to get these things from your own reporting, let alone when you have that extra step of putting all stuff together. I say this for somebody who puts, puts reports together as part of this as it has for a lot of years. So I know for a lot of law firms that are out there, it's, it's, it's kind of a bridge too far. As far as how things work, like I know one of the things that's kind of interesting that you mentioned earlier was what the effect is when people end up getting chat into the mix. So mm-hmm. can we uh, talk about kind of some findings that you guys have from that? Yeah, great question. So what we originally wanted to do was pull strictly chat versus non-chat because we have a, a fair amount of clients that we work with that either are just chat, no call and form tracking, or some only use us for call tracking or just form tracking, whatever. We didn't have a statistically significant amount of data to be able to say, if you use chat, you get this much percent of leads versus not chat that many leads. But we did have some pretty good data that isn't it, uh, less than 100 use us for not chat. So we didn't have, we didn't feel comfortable pulling it. But what we did see across the board for clients that use chat, we had two pieces of data that was cool. Um, one, clients that use chat get more leads. Across the board, we're about 35% more total leads. Uh, so the net win of chat is about 35% on average. It varies per industry in per practice area and how the firm works, whether it's a free consultation or paid or, or, or and all that things. But that's generally the litmus of when you put a chat on, it's a quick 35% more net leads. And we know it's more net leads because we're always running case studies in trials and A-B tests. And we did one um, uh, a few months back for a, a big bankruptcy client uh, where, you know, the client basically said, Ted, I don't, you know, I like it, but if you're just taking away my phone calls, what's the point? Why am I paying you money for this? And I said, hey, you make a great point. Why don't we prove it to you? So basically what we did is we did an A-B split test where we did the call and the form tracking for a hundred percent of his traffic. And then on 50% of the traffic, we serve chat. And basically with him, the 50% that got chat, that percent got 59% more leads. That's above and beyond what we normally see. Hence, we wrote it up as a case study. We're generally about 35, 40%. But we were able to show him at at the end of a 30-day period, here's how many leads you got without chat. Here's how many you got with chat. Is it worth it to you? He goes, well, you know, we're not talking about a little amount of leads. I think the group with chat was about 170 leads and the other group was like a 120-ish. It, I have the case study on the in the report. So chat is net beneficial in most cases. And that's kind of why we exist. The other cool thing about chat that we see specifically is when a chat lead comes in, it is a hotter lead. So a chat lead has been fully vetted, meaning we make sure it's it's not a bad lead. What a bad lead is depending on the, particulars of the firm. But let's say you're a uh, criminal law attorney. Okay, well, when were you arrested? Are you currently in jail? Do you have an attorney? These are just kind of some of the the minimum qualification questions we ask for lead. If they say the wrong answer, we say, I'm sorry, I don't think we're a good fit. So that means when a lead comes in, a chat lead has been fully vetted compared to a phone call, which could just be anyone kicking the tire or a form submission with not counting spam. We don't count spam in uh, in our data. But not counting spam, that lead hasn't really been vetted that much. 
So what that translates into, chat leads convert into cases at the highest rate compared to other leads. So for example, in our dashboard, and not everyone does it, some do, some people mark what leads convert into cases. And what we see on average is that chat leads are the highest method by which leads convert into cases. For example, a chat lead comes in, it has a one in four chance become a case, whereas a phone leads like one in six and a form lead is one in seven. We have the pull, full data under the charts on the report. It's a better lead because it's already been fully vetted and they're expecting the call and they know what they know what they're getting into. Yeah, that's super interesting. And like, I don't want to speculate too much, but like one of the things too, and I'll just say this as somebody who uses the platform, it's like, it's not a question in us. It's like, if there's ever a situation where you have a client that's not converting, like, are they on chat? Like we, we make it a default because it's, it's just, it's, you know, cut and dry in our mind on the other side of this. But um, pretty much if I, I've had to kind of speculate too, like, I think the qualification is such an important thing. Let me just take a little aside too, because this is something that comes up when we're talking about sales training and stuff. You know, there's always the line that like, I know it's it's easy to tell when you're on the phone with somebody like, okay, how much more like rope do I have in terms of questions I can continue asking mm-hmm. when you guys are working through. And this is another thing that you guys do, which is fantastic. It's like every, all the chat scripts that you guys do is custom to make sure it actually fits something that works the business. But what do you guys recommend as like, you know, what's too many questions? What's not enough? You guys aim for a sweet spot? Yeah, great question. So it really depends on the firm. So the right answer is, you know, for your legal listeners, well, it depends. It depends what the firm wants. So if the firm has a very narrow set of practice areas or practice area, they know exactly what a good client is. So they're going to have usually more stringent and rigid questions. So for example, if the firm just does bankruptcy, they want to make sure we're in the state and depending on the state, we're in the right county and town. Some firms only work in, you know, certain counties. From there, there's other qualification questions. You know, do you have a home repossessed? Uh, do you own a home? Are you facing garnishment? For bankruptcy clients, we could get fairly specific. On the flip side, there are firms that are generalists. So, you know, they'll do some PI, some bankruptcy, some CRIM. For those, we just basically confirm the state and the location. Those chat leads where we have less qualification questions don't turn into clients at as high as of a rate because a lot more shaft comes through. Whereas when we're asking five or more qualification questions, those leads convert into cases at the highest amount. And for most of those, that's in the bankruptcy and the family law stuff. Yeah, it's like impossible to, to kind of have a, a, a split test for this, but like I would imagine like part of the difference between the one and four and the one and six is that a couple of those four, like you know, a couple of those six might've called up and hadn't qualified. So they're going into the total lead bucket. I'll also say this too, based on that Clio, trends report that I was referencing earlier. It's like, I know that the email leads are the toughest one for people to close. If you realize, and this is kind of like, you know, it's an important psychological thing. That person is able to speak with your firm in the moment and mm-hmm. get some sort of an engagement. So it's a foot in the door more than a lot of people realize. So I think there's a couple of really powerful factors that like could be behind those numbers. I can always speculate. But yeah, really, no, completely agree with you. Yeah. We talk about one thing that we're big on that we talk about is, is especially in the forms, speed to lead. And one thing that hurts speed to lead is if you only have their email address, because if they get you an email address and they don't check their email, it's hard to get in contact with that person as fast as possible. So we always, we have a few different tools and methods, and there's a lot of companies out there that all they do is help law firms get in contact with their leads because they know if they get in contact with their leads faster, they're going to have a higher conversion rate from a closing uh, lead into a case. 
Yeah. And to also kind of circle back to like one of the things um, I forgot to mention, was just like, it's, it's really crazy. Like if you look at that example, when we had the firm that was doing the split test, it's like, mm-hmm. we talk about these numbers, like conversion rate. And that doesn't mean like, you know, obviously with marketers, this is something that we talk about all the time, but like, you know, putting this in the dollars and cents for someone, you don't have to have PhD in data science to look at if your leads, if you're getting a 59% more leads, your mm-hmm. costs are getting cut by half. Right. Yeah. So either twice as much on your, on your, on your spend or half as much spent. Like I just, that's why this stuff always blows me away. That it's not something that's more top of mind for a lot of people, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I, well, I loved it. Cause for that case, I, in particular, we had fun showing the, showing the data off and just saying, okay, if you're spending X, not only you're getting more leads, your cost per lead went down a lot, even though you gave us money. So their CPL went down drastically, you know, with you get someone 59% more leads that that's going to do that a lot. So that felt pretty good. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting too. Just like, I mean, this whole concept, it is kind of a little bit, I won't say harder, but like, you know, there's a lot of things you have to do to get this done right. As far as like a conversion rate perspective, mm-hmm. and it's not really obvious in the same way that people can point to, okay, cool. Hey, you spend 10 times as much as Google, write Three times as many articles for your SEO rankings, that kind of stuff too. A lot of the, in my opinion, like the traffic stuff is kind of easy to measure, but you know, we're really talking about efficiency at the end of the day and whether somebody wants to make sure that they're running lean with their marketing or just be able to have more dry powder for scaling up, depending on mm-hmm. what kind of direction they want to go. You know, it's like, it's such an important factor. Following up on that a little bit too. So I saw that you guys did a lot of segmentation between the paid search and the non-paid traffic. Yeah. Um, what were your kind of any interesting findings from that? Yeah, a few things. With paid in particular, there's a lot more variance between the good and the bad firms in terms of conversion rate. So for us in paid search, the only thing that we the the numbers we cared most about is we had a lot of firms that were converting like two or 3% from paid traffic. And then we had a sizable amount that were 20% plus. And that makes sense if you think about it, because there's variance in ad management quality. So there's a lot of people out there that are spending money in Google ads, but if they're not on top of their agency, they might not be getting a good bang for their buck. And I think that data showed that to be the case here. Whereas with non-paid ads, non-paid traffic, and that's, you know, Referral, search, direct, every other thing that doesn't involve directly paying a giant company. That varied less. So basically, if you're getting a lot of traffic versus if you're not getting a lot of traffic, your conversion rate won't change all that much. Kind of oddly enough, and and we couldn't figure out at first, but a lot of the sites that had the highest conversion rate in organic and non-paid traffic, we couldn't figure out why their conversion rates were better. And then it kind of made sense to us when we thought about it. Direct, meaning someone typing in the name of your firm and going to your site, converts at the highest percentage as opposed to organic search. So if you run a small firm and and the only way that people know about you is typing your name into Google and that shows up as a direct search, that's going to convert pretty highly. Whereas if you're running a giant organic campaign, you might be getting a lot of traffic, but it's going to drown out the direct conversion rate traffic. So a lot of the bigger firms that are driving tons and tons of leads from organic, you might be getting a hundred leads a month and you're getting good traffic, but it's not converting quite as high as some of those little firms. That's really, really interesting. 
a couple of things to kind of tease out on that too. So it's like, this is also something, you know, the conversion rate's good as far as like the, the direct thing, but sometimes too, like it, it kind of shows to like one of these like sort of tiered approach type things. If like if the highest stuff is direct, unfortunately, there's not a ton of ways to move the lever on that outside of running, you know, a huge like radio or billboard campaign or something like that. But like, it's, it's kind of interesting. And, and this is, I'm realizing something in the course of this conversation that kind of explains a previous episode. And it's actually kind of what I was saying before. It's like sort of having a traffic mentality versus like a conversion mentality. And I'm starting to realize the people who run SEO campaigns for the traffic, they might not necessarily have a huge benefit for the conversion optimization if that's what the numbers are saying, right? It's like they're coming to you from some piece of content or something like that. I think the design's probably less important and, and then, you know, something where, whatever, you're paying $85 a click or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, if you're an SEO only agency, to some extent, you have less control over the conversion rate. You just know more and more traffic gives you more swings at the bat. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're running, you know, the PPC guys and, and the firms are really looking at that, you only get so many swings. They're only going to pitch so many pitches because those pitches can be at, you know, a buck 50 for a, for a click, depending on the practice area. I don't know what mesothelioma is nowadays, but for a while there it was, it was well over a hundred. Oh yeah. It's crazy too. I mean, <laughs> like personal injury stuff too, as well. It's like, we got a campaign running in New York right now. And it was kind of funny. This is actually somebody who we've been working with for a really, really long time. We used to shoot for like 25% conversion rate on a 30 to $50 click. And like, it's pretty damn hard to get clicks for less than 100, 150 bucks right now. It's yeah. just like, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> yes. Okay. So um, super interesting stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, that's, that's a huge, I, I feel like something just clicked in my brain there, but uh, it, it actually does like, you know, it, it explains a, a lot that I, I thought was more of a choice, but I guess it's kind of one of these interesting uh, convergent evolution kind of situations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. So. Well, yeah, if I don't, I, I don't mind throwing this out there. So, yeah. you know, like you said, we work with a lot of agencies and we had to put a big caveat in this report to double and triple check our bankruptcy numbers here. Cause you know, we do work with you. We do have a, a lot of clients in that space and we wanted to make sure our numbers were right. Cause we didn't think the top third of bankruptcy clients really converted at about 30% or 28.2% of uh, bankruptcy clients. But what we saw is that when we pulled your clients out of that, that top third went down about seven points. So kudos to you and your team for converting at that high. And, and you know, I, I never talk about what sites, I cannot talk about what sites are in this data, but I will say we had to double and trigger, triple check our numbers because we frankly couldn't believe them. <laughs> Thanks, Ted. I just appreciate it. And, and a huge shout out to anyone that knows <laughs> anyone on our team, uh, to uh, to Mark, Jason, and Tatiana, all of the people that are going into these numbers too. It's interesting too. And like, I mean, it's funny because it's something, it's a sword that we've been sharpening for a super long time, but, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of over the years, it's it's really been our mantra from day one to kind of maximize this stuff. And then it's just like, you know, just kind of getting to the end of that. This is really how you know the focus is and then what kind of like leads to that. But yeah, I mean, I got to say too, as far as the the focus on the bankruptcy stuff too, it's a great market to work into. I think right now is a fantastic time for people to be hopping in it. Like we'll kind of see what happens after the um, the tap gets shut off for kind of a lot of the social programs that are in there. But you no, know, it could be a really, really interesting year for bankruptcy. But um, yeah, no, it's awesome. And then like, you know, of course, having all the different channels is, is, is far like super helps too. Like I was saying before, like in the chat in there, it's like, <laughs> like a super important thing for moving the needle on that. Thank you, thank you. All right. Awesome. So as far as kind of like any like parting shots, like as far as, you know, how things have kind of been trending, do you guys expect things to go more towards any 
Did you guys see any moves? I guess I know this is the first time we've run the report to this extent, mm-hmm. but did you guys see a shift to chat or phone or or, uh, or or forum just based on you know the kind of stuff that you guys had uh, for any numbers that you didn't publish on this? Yeah, like, it's been trending. Yeah, so one forms are going down. Chat had state. We thought we'd see a big uptick in chat, and we'd be able to say, "Hey, chats are bigger now than ever." It, it's pretty much held relatively similar to 2020. Phone calls were the biggest beneficiary of people submitting less and less forms. I know if, you know, we don't have data from 10 years ago, but I know 10 years ago in the form submission world, those were, you know, people just wanted forms and phone calls weren't as big to track. That was pre-call tracking days, but forms are getting bigger. So forms will continue to shrink out just because people want answers now. Phone calls are great, but a lot of people are hesitant to pick up the phone and actually make the call. That's a lot of work. So, you know, Chat is the quickest way to get a quick response to your question. So our hopes and what we're seeing is that phone calls will keep going up and eventually chat and SMS will start coming up. We thought this was going to be the year that SMS was going to start being 20% of of the chat leads, but we're still only floating around 5%. Okay. That's super interesting. And like, I think I would think intuitively that like people having been around more would like lead to the emails being more responsive. But I also just kind of get the feeling that email again, like this isn't like the, the don't, uh, don't, don't quote me on this <laughs> front page really, but I kind of feel like the shine's been going off of email for a little yeah. bit. It's like, I think the, you know, the, the whole uh, build a funnel, uh, you know, drip campaign, your way to riches kind of thing is, is coming harder every single year. You see the open rates going down, uh, you know, deliverability filters are getting tighter and tighter. And I think just from a personal perspective, it's like chat's been on the way up for a while. It's like, I think it was like the adoption was probably lower before because people weren't sure whether it's real. But I think it's like, you know, a lot of sites have this right now. People are used to doing it. Yeah. And I would probably imagine this kind of tending. It's like, you know, you've got the, you know, <laughs> there's people you'd have to put a gun to their head to get them to order a pizza, like yeah. let alone, you know, talk to an attorney about like, you know, the, the pending divorce that they have. Right? Mm-hmm. So I can understand why that's going up, but that's a, that's a really interesting takeaway. Like I wouldn't have expected the form stuff to be going down, but um, yeah. okay, that's super interesting. We're seeing the same data on us. So we're in a very small sub-market of the chat world. So the big chat players, you know, Intercom, Drift, those are great do-it-yourself chat solutions, software. We're the chat plus the service. So, you know, a teeny niche within the chat world. And every year we're seeing more and more companies using Drift, using that. I was on Lowe's the other day. Now I can even, instead of having to go into Lowe's and talk to, you know, one of the guys in the blue vest, they have a Lowe's assistant chat which is pretty familiar. It's just seeming to be on more and more websites. And I know the big thing that we're seeing is now uh, Facebook Messenger is now offering our chat. So it seems like more and more people and companies are kind of getting into this instant response marketing. And we like it because you know we're just kind of riding the coattails of, of that. So every time we see Drift, HubSpot, one of those chats on a, on a service, on a site, we just know more and more people getting familiar with that technology and more comfortable using it. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, I think it's like, it's obviously tough. Like you don't have like the age of everyone that's like growing, but like, you know, it probably was one of those things I would say a couple of years ago, people were like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, it's great for the college kids who are like doing this all the time. But like, like I bet that my mom uses chat probably I won't mm-hmm. say how old she is, but 
<laughs> but um, okay, awesome stuff. All right, so um, yeah, Ted, this is super helpful. So I definitely want to get the link to this report in the show notes. So anyone who wants to look at this data more specifically, again, we have a lot of really segmented stuff. I was not BSing about how excited I'm about having this data for the first time, but we'll have it in the show notes. Um, if anyone's interested in learning a bit more about you guys, what's the best way to reach out? Juvo, J-U-V-O, one word, leads, L-E-A-D-S dot com. And uh, yeah, and there's a big link on the, there'll be a big link on the homepage. You'll say law report 2021. So check it out. See where your firm compares to the firms, your peers and your competition and see how you stack up. All right. Awesome. All right, Ted, super appreciate you guys doing all the effort and putting this report together. I think it's super important stuff and also super appreciate you coming on the podcast to let us all know about it. So, and for everybody else, we will be back with you guys Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. And one more shout out. I have to do this for Jenna who runs the podcast. I don't have to, I want to, but uh, sign up for the email list. We will also have a link for that in the show notes as well. Thank you very much and have a great week. Thank you, Jan. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.